Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there? The beautiful, wonderful, potentially snowy land of crowdfunding. I know that's what it's like here. It's a little overcast, a little rainy snow. We were supposed to get like three inches, but we're not getting that today. That's what she said. <laughs> if this is your first time here, I am your host, Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel. I am the host of the podcast here, Successfully Funded. I'm also the CEO of Woodshed Agency. And what do we do? Well, Woodshed Agency helps project creators launch Kickstarter campaigns and, and uh, equity crowdfunding campaigns and e-commerce businesses. And we help with startup companies and all kinds of stuff, right? So if you're getting ready to launch something into the world, you would call us and we would help you. But the podcast, Successfully Funded, that's all about talking to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign uh, so that we can give you guys the most up-to-date information on what you need to be doing to be successfully funded yourself. So with all of that said, that big mouthful here in the beginning and the little bit of jokes, we've got an amazing, amazing episode today. That's right. In fact, I think it's one of our best. We're going to be talking about Man Kitchen Pepper Cannon. That's right. We're going to be talking about pepper. Back-to-back episodes about food. I mean, we started with the, the stir skillet last week. This week, we're talking about the pepper cannon. That's right. That's right. The Man Kitchen. So this campaign, though, by the way, it's doing very well. It's just under a million dollars with a whole bunch of backers, like big, big, gigantic numbers, right? Um, and my conversation with, with Cleve was, was really great. It was just an awesome conversation. He's run a couple campaigns before in the past. So we definitely got to really get into the weeds on what you've got to do to be successful, fun, successfully funded, what it's like working with agencies, all that sort of stuff. So again, all that conversation is coming up in, uh, in just a little bit. So what's going on around here? Well, I hope you guys all had an amazing Thanksgiving. I hope you guys are all thankful. I hope you told everybody what you're thankful about. That's important. We over here had an amazing Thanksgiving. Shout out to the uh, to the Neils, our friends. Um, had a little mini shindig. Not a lot of people. Coronavirus. Um, uh, but again, you know, everybody all masked up, taking precautions. You know, we're like an eight top, not, not, oh, I'm sorry, nine top. My mom was there. Not a lot of people, big house, you know, that's what we did. We did that. Now I, by saying that maybe I'm putting myself out there and people are going to be mad at me and go, you can't be doing that. But listen, we were all cautious. We're all taking this stuff very, very seriously, but truthfully might've been the best Thanksgiving I've had in at least minimum a decade. And I say all that because prior to that, my dad's always been sick. There's always been something going on or there's some drama between my mom and my grandma, my aunt or my sister and my mom, or somebody didn't do something right. Somebody made the thing. Somebody bought the cranberries. They didn't buy the right cranberries. There's just always been something. And this Thanksgiving, none of that. Zip, zilch, zero. None of that. Just some football, laughs, good food, lightness, and it really highlighted what holidays are supposed to be about and really putting this emphasis more around maybe holidays don't always have to be all family all the time. Maybe you sneak your friends in 
and you get back to sometimes more healthy, a more healthy relationship, a more healthy holiday, a more exciting experience. Um, so it was just great. You know, my kids had a good time because, you know, they got to actually play with some other kids for a little bit. Um, so I, I'll tell you, it's really, really uh, put a spotlight on how moving forward we want to treat holidays. Um, so yeah, shout out to the Neils. It was a good time. Very, very good time. What else? What else? Well, the day after Thanksgiving, I moved. I moved all kinds of boxes. I moved all kinds of beds. I moved it. And the amount of stress has been very high. Very, very, very high. Moving with a um, with a significant other who has some tendencies that can be challenging. Like we, we all have them. I'm not calling her out specifically. I'm just saying we're all difficult people. Some things can make it more difficult though. And I'll give you an example of this. Did you know that as I'm moving, I'm not doing, I'm not putting anything in the right spot. I'm not allowed to move anything uh, into potential locations. Like I, I am not really actually doing anything. Uh, I, now I, it's, it's stressful. I, for a lot of guys, like that's what they like dream of. Like, I just sit back and just let the women do it all. I'm not that guy. I like doing stuff, right? I'll put, I'll put it away. Let me do it, but I'm not doing it right. That's the difference. There's a right way to do it. And it's never the way I'm doing it. That is what I've ultimately learned. But I'll tell you, moving with your significant other brings out a whole bunch of stuff, man. All the little little demons in the cracks, the the lack of communication, or the you know the the anger over something, or some resentment from a few weeks ago, whatever. They all boil up when you're moving. So I got that going on, which is amazing. One of my favorite things, yeah. Which is just amazing. Um, so like even like yesterday, I am not communicating with my wife at all. Sorry, I'm just looking at a Zoom thing and I got an eyebrow. That's just crazy. Um, like communication is incredibly challenging right now. And the reason is I, I, I'm not doing it correctly or what I want isn't happening right now. So she's building her nest. I get it. But, I, but I'm still also in the nest. So maybe I can pick out the curtain color sometimes too. Just or put put my say in. But yesterday I had to approach her and say, listen, I don't know what's going on with communication right now, but it needs to be addressed because it's not working right now. You're right. Um, and I think we're, I don't even know if we're still there, but it's just, man, the amount of stress is just, it's, it's bonkers. And, and, and like, I also, I like to have big plans of like, all right, we're going to do this, 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 and this, or like, or we're going to focus just on this room and we'll get this room done. Then we'll go to this room. Well, we're not doing that right now. We're doing the hodgepodge, everything. We'll do a little bit over here and a little bit over there, and then we'll do this, and then we'll, we'll order this, and then this will come in on Tuesday. It's it's like it's just a whirlwind. It's a whirlwind. But we're in the house. We're in these new, this new energy, the new rhythms, right? Uh, everything's taking like ten times longer because where is that thing? Like, I've tried to make breakfast this morning for myself, and I'm like, I don't know where that is. Where is this? I gotta, you know. So everything's just taking a little bit longer, but it's okay, right? The house is bigger. The other interesting thing too is, you know, for, for our regular listeners, you guys know that I, I described, I lived in a tiny house, right? A little mushroom house. Um, but there was something about that that I have a feeling we may miss. Because this new house is basically twice the size, you can hide. And I, you can't actually like yell at your kid. You can't, Eddie, get down. You can't yell because they can't actually hear you, right? Like, 
So there is something that I think we're going to all miss that like, there is a closeness that you bond to, or you, that, that we've built, right. As our little, our little Wenzel nook, you know, of, you know, some people might describe it as being on top of each other. Like there's not enough space, but there's also something about it when you have so much space that you can really just like disappear to a room or disappear. And I didn't even know you were here all day. That's, that's new. That's a new feeling. That's a new feeling going on in our house right now. Space and what that does for us and the stretching of our legs. And I don't know if it's all good. I know Aaron has, my wife has said that she really is into that. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. The dust this month is killing me. Mm -hmm. The dust. I'm allergic to dust. If dust gets kind of stirred up in the air, uh, it affects me. It affects me bad. I used to, I was a bubble boy growing up. Um, I had to, my room was covered in plastic. My clothes were in plastic. I was a bubble boy. My, uh, for many years. Uh, and because of that, because of like that sound, um, like our house was always like my mom was a just nuts about keeping everything super, super clean. Well, I've also found out that a lot of that has rubbed off on me because um, uh, I'm stressing over the dirtiness of how we lived in the old house as you move stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, behind the bed, oh, behind the, the dresser. Like, you got to clean that stuff, man. And, 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 you know, it's our bad, my bad. I didn't get to it. I didn't think about it. We're so busy. We're doing other stuff. But in this, you know, in the new house with us, you know, doing the floors and the house was dirty in general. We had to tear up carpeting. Like, I've had a constant allergy nose drip and it's a no, it's an allergy nose drip. I'm aware of what it is. Like, this is not, you know, this is just like when I am around dust and it's getting stirred up, this is like how I felt my entire life. If that happens. So like this move has also created an entire month of just like, right. And it's just, again, it's that coronavirus. It's not that it's, um, it's, you know, I know it's not right. Like this is one of those things where I, I have felt this before. And, uh, sorry, I just heard this really weird. I'm at the office, uh, recording this and there's like this big sound like out the window. I don't know. I had to just look I had to give it a quick look of like, we broken it being broken into. Nope. Um, so like just that alone too. So it's just like, uh, you know, and, and we're, t- Aaron and I were talking about, you know, she's like, you don't like doing a lot of stuff. I'm like, I don't like not breathing right? Like from allergies. I don't like that feeling. I will paint. I will do these other things, but like, yeah, I don't usually do sand floors because it makes me not be able to breathe because of my allergies. So we've got that going on, but we got to do the floors one more time. We got in uh, the big room. We had a big, big, long room that we got to do. Got to do those floors. And so we're renting the machines tomorrow. Going to be, it's going to be a four day process. Once that's done, the floors will be good. Then we can get some rugs in and whatnot. Oh, gosh. But, you know, it's December. And December is usually, I say this, but I don't think it's true. It's a little lighter. I say that, but every year it's always a little bit bigger. But we do take a couple weeks off as an agency. We we try not to work as much. So we got that going on. I found out I don't have to work Christmas Eve for the church, which that's huge because usually that is like a power day where we'll do like six to eight services. You know, it's just like a marathon. Um, don't have to do that. So that's nice. So thanks, coronavirus. 
I think I've said coronavirus. That's four times. Coronavirus. That's number five. Um, I'm going to give one more thing I'm pissed off about. Do you know today, this Monday, November 30th, I was on hold with AT&T for over an hour and 40 minutes. I've spent an hour and 40 minutes on this this day just trying to get to AT&T to cancel my internet service. And their system, it blows. It definitely, they hung up on me. They kept me on hold one time for 46 minutes. Every t- And then what, the other time I got hung up on, I had to call back in. I had to wait another 22 minutes to get to somebody. I get to somebody and they're like, yeah, we're, we're the billing department. You can't cancel your service here. That's somebody else. Then I call back and, you know, I wait 22 minutes. Then they somehow magically get me to the cancel service now. All of a sudden it's like, how did you magically get me here? I didn't go through, I didn't go through your prompts. Oh man. So uh, now I just got to go drop the modem off at a UPS and tell them my account number and they'll ship it off. Screw this man. All I need, I just needed to cancel my internet. And now granted, here's the other part. I wanted to keep the internet. I wanted to just move the internet to my new house. They couldn't do it. They couldn't figure out how to do it. So I had to go get a third, another service. They set it up in a day. Mm. Moving. I guess it's more, there's, there's, it's mostly good. It's mostly good. So that's what's going on over here. That's what's going on November 30th. Got a lot, a lot of stuff, man. It's busy. It is busy, but hopefully it starts to, the plane starts to land a little bit. We get our Christmas decorations up and start, uh, you know, start enjoying the holidays. Maybe just calm down a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So with all that said, if you are a listener and you are thinking about running a crowdfunding campaign, before you do that, get on a call with me. Go to woodshed.agency. One, you don't, okay, let's, let's back up. Maybe you don't want to get on call with me. Maybe I'm bringing too much heat to you. You don't want, you don't want that yet. Well, you can go to our blog section, read the blog. If that doesn't work, listen to the podcast, right? Instead of just listening, smash the subscribe button. That would be really helpful. Hit that subscribe button. That would be awesome. Um, to wherever you're getting your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all that stuff. But again, if you're going to run a campaign, I definitely recommend hit the consultation button. Just get on a call with me, man. Meet me. Say hello. I won't sell you anything. I'll just give you some, hey, think about this. Don't do this. Really? This is what we see. Try this. Try that. Whatever it might be. All that stuff I think will be incredibly helpful for you before you launch. Um, And again, our ultimate goal here, we want every campaign to be successfully funded, right? That would be awesome. Everybody to get the money that they need to get their projects funded. So with all that said... Let's kick into my conversation, right? Let's go talk about pepper and pepper cannons. And mind you, I learned a whole bunch of this. I have never thought about pepper as much as I've thought about pepper from this interview. I I didn't know. I didn't even know half this world existed. So, all right, everybody. Here's my conversation with Clave from Man Kitchen Pepper Cannon. All right, the red light's on. It's go time. This is when most people get really nervous. How, how you feeling over there? I'm going to take a drink here. Okay. <laughs> Man, just cool as a cucumber. <laughs> nothing nothing, nothing riling you up there. Well, let's start off with a simple sound check. Uh, why don't you tell my listeners what you had for breakfast this morning? Uh, I'm doing that silly intermittent fasting deal where I don't eat until noon. So, uh, it's not-, not silly. It's like everybody says the same thing. It's kind of shocking to me like is that must be a crowdfunding thing or a startup entrepreneur thing you 
You know, I don't know what it is. I think it's guys that sit behind their computers too much thing. Uh, and you get you get this look? Yeah. Yeah, dad bod. You get the dad bod when you're just sitting. But, man, your your computer rig is awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sweet. Well, instead of talking about our awesome dad bods, um, why don't we jump in? Uh, first, why don't you introduce yourself to my audience and then tell them what you're running a, a campaign for over on Kickstarter. Sure. So my name is Cleve Oynes, which is an odd name. Uh, and I am running a Kickstarter for the Pepper Cannon, which is a pepper mill, a high output, highly adjustable, overly engineered pepper mill on Kickstarter. Okay. Now, I haven't seen very many um, campaigns around pepper. Um, so how did you decide that you were going to focus your attention and, and make a product in the, the pepper world? Sure. So um, I've loved to cook since I was a little kid. So I've always been in the kitchen and it really just grew organically from frustration with how long it took to crank my pepper mill. So I started <laughs> actually counting. And a little over two years ago, I was peppering some tri-tip and I counted 73 cranks on my pepper mill. And I was like, this this experience has to be improvable, right? <laughs> and then since then, I started, you know, I watch a lot of um, a lot of chefs on TV and master classes, et cetera. And I was noticing that even these top chefs are using mills that take 50, 60, 70 cranks on a dish for two. And, you know, <laughs> that seemed, that made it clear to me that this was an issue that other people were experiencing and not just me. So two years ago, I began working on the pepper cannon and it was a whole lot of trial even more error. And uh, finally, now we've got prototypes and products in hands of great chefs all over the place. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm That's excited. awesome. That's very cool. So what starts that process? Just because you're identifying a potential, hey, there's something here. Now, what do you do? Like I've never made a uh, pepper cannon or a pepper sure, mill. So sure. like, what, what do you do? What do you start with? Yeah, the first thing I did was try other pepper mills, and I did some research on Amazon, and I looked for what the some high output mills, and there was basically one on the market called the the Unicorn, and it's a fantastic mill. I actually actually have one. Looks like this, and okay. um, a lot of people in kitchens were using it just because it's got about three x to five x the output of other pepper mills. Mm. So my first inclination was, all right, well, how can I get, how can I get this one? How can I make one like this? So I found the supplier of their, um, their, their burst set, which is located in Italy. It's an Italian company. And I reached out to them and they said, no, we're not going to sell it to you. We have exclusive agreements with Unicorn, which makes sense. So <laughs> yeah. I started the process of trying to find manufacturers of burst sets. And that was kind of a long process in itself. Um, but eventually found a manufacturer that makes them and makes them well. And um, yeah, I mean, there I've, I've talked with probably more than 20 different manufacturers of burst sets and various wow. different, um, you know, the manufacturers that, that grind the body. Um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a long process. Okay. And is this something that like, you have a background in, you know, or, I mean, you mentioned you like cooking, but like, do you like startup companies and entrepreneurship? Like, is this your background or is this a side hustle that has turned into being something successful? Um, well, I've always been, my background is in design and e-commerce. Okay. So I went to school for design many, many years ago. And, um, and then I worked in e-commerce since 2000. I think I built my first e-commerce website in 2001. 
for a client. Oh, nice. That probably looked yeah. really sweet compared to today, today's oh, standards. It was so amazing. <laughs> yeah. HTML and oh, awesome. was, yeah, yeah, I used tables, and frames, <laughs> and it was a thing of beauty. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I worked for a company that did e commerce. I, I first, I, I was a e commerce manager for a number of years, e commerce director. And then when that ended about four years ago, I thought, well, how could I combine my interest in design, my interest in cooking, and my background in e-commerce into something that uh, would pay the bills and maybe even make my groceries tax deductible? That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. Um, so I started with a spatula. I started the Brand Man Kitchen. That was over three years ago. And started with a spatula, and now we do a garlic press and a number of other products. Some of them, I did a Kickstarter last year for a chef's knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was successful. It exceeded the funding goal and we got it out on time. And I was already at that point working on the pepper mill. It was just a much longer process than the knife because there was, there were more moving parts. Right. Right. So, so I guess through that process, what are you working towards to get a prototype? I mean, I would imagine there's a lot of mechanical stuff in the inside, right? Like there's, there's, there's stuff moving that you just don't see. Right. So like, how, how, how are you building this to go, okay, this would work. This wouldn't, this doesn't work. How are you going through that process? A lot of, a lot of samples back and forth. So I started with basically an exterior sketch and the dimensions of the size of burr set that I wanted, because a lot of output is just a function of the size of the burrs. Hmm. Um, it's also a function of the sharpness of the burrs. Some people use uh, blunt burrs that are more of a grinder. Some use sharp burrs, which, which cut more. And then there's different benefits and drawbacks to each of those. So it was the exchange of, I think the production prototype is my 11th. Yeah, it's my 11th wow. prototype. So go, I mean, that's why it took two years. It was a lot of back and forth, right. actually changing manufacturers when there were problems that we just couldn't go over, you know, I say two years, but you know, there was some solid months in there where it was just like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And <laughs> wow. you're waiting and you're waiting to hear back from a manufacturer. Can we solve this? Can we solve this problem? Is there a workaround? Uh, it's not, it's not solid 40 hours a week working on the pepper can. And there's a lot of hurry up and wait to hear back from your engineering team or your, um, yeah, your designers, et cetera, et cetera. How are you as the as a as the founder and creator staying positive through all of this? Because like there can be some ups and downs in that 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 rodeo there. Uh well, I'd be lying if I said I did stay positive throughout it. There there <laughs> right. were some times and it was like, you know, is this is this gonna happen? Are we gonna be able to there was we had an issue with the lid that took forever. We had a silly, we had a prototype that worked great for grinding. But if you picked it up by the lid, the the bottom would fall off and all the pepper would go everywhere. Yeah, not a good feature. I don't think that's what yeah, you, you know. Not, yeah. not so much a feature as a bug. Yeah. Not, right. It was it was super easy to open, I guess yeah. would be the positive spin on it. But uh yeah, you can't have a pepper mill that falls apart when you hold it by the lid. No, so that, no, you that can't. was a long time. <laughs> and we went through six prototypes trying to figure out just the lid issue. So wow. Yeah, there were there were times in there where it was just like you know, hopefully they get back to me with a solution, and I would send my ideas, which were, you know, ninety five percent bad. But you only need one to work, right? And right, finally, right. you got one that worked, and 
Um, but yeah, it, it's, and I was working on other things. I've, we've got, there's an almost unlimited number of problems to solve in the kitchen space. And so I was, I was working on other products that were less frustrating at the times when the pepper cannon frustration peaked. Right. And in this world, is there a reason, um, the cut of the pepper is better or worse for certain types of food? Is there like a whole, you know, world of that? Like, Hey, you want it this fine. You want it this thick, you know, because I'm having a steak or whatever it might be. Is, is there that world? I I don't really know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. So if you're doing like stocks or roast beef, you want a, you want large chunks of pepper. Mm. And if you're doing something like, uh, you know, finishing a sauce um, where you can't have any graininess at all, you want a super, super fine grind. So most pepper mills grind from like 12. This is so mesh sizes are how many holes in the mesh per inch. So a 12 mesh is 12 holes in an inch of hmm. uh, screen, essentially. Okay. And most pepper mills go down to a 12 mesh, which means that's as coarse as it gets and up to maybe a 30 mesh. Hmm. Whereas if you're doing sauces, you want to get to like a 50 plus mesh. And if right. you're doing stocks and roast beef, you want to get to like cracked and quarter cracked pepper. And most of the mills on the market, it's, it's not just a speed thing. It's having one device where you can get the full spectrum of ground pepper. You can get cracked and you can get, we're, we were getting 70 plus mesh pepper out of the, out of the pepper cannon, this guy right here, mm-hmm. which is, it's not available on other mills. Right. Wow. That's crazy. Now in your mind, are you putting together a customer persona as you're in the design process of saying that that conversation we just had, is that a conversation for Gordon Ramsay or is that a conversation for Jeff Wenzel who's just making a steak on a Friday night, right? Like, are you making a product with something in your mind to say, we're going after this guy or this, this woman? Yeah, well, for, for me, it's way easier because it's because I've spent so much time in the kitchen. You know, I cook seven days a week at, at home and I worked in restaurants before that. Um, so my, my persona is simple for me. It's, it's me. Mm-hmm. The issues that I come up with in the kitchen, the, the, as you know, we're all so connected now that you, if you make something to appeal to everyone, you kind of can miss your niche. Yeah. And there's so many more people that cook at home, guys that cook at home. So things with larger handles, things that may be, uh, the chef's knife that I did was specifically issues that I had with existing chef's knife, most of which are built for people with, you know, the average consumer, the average hand. Right. A lot of people that are outside of that on one side of the spectrum or the other. So if you find something that really appeals to you, really appealed to me, solved an issue for me, we're so connected now that there are going to be other people that have an overlap. So my buyer persona was people like me that cook at home or that cook in restaurants and have had frustrations with the output of existing pepper mills, specifically for the pepper mill. And then for other products, you know, there's some that there's like a garlic press. It doesn't matter. You make one that right. works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, a chef's knife, you might have big hands. You might have small hands. You might prefer right. wider blades, narrower blades. So kind of hitting that full spectrum, but focusing on the issues that I myself have experienced because those are the ones that I can speak to. Sure. Sure. That totally makes sense. I, what you're speaking about, I always tell a lot of, uh, a lot of my project creators, like, would you buy this thing? Like, you know, because you're going to be the one out there being the front man of it, you know, like this, uh, you know, and then you're going to go, Oh yeah, but I don't really use it. Cause it doesn't, it's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but why aren't yeah. you using it? Um, yeah. So 
So I guess over that like two year period of you kind of going through this and these multiple uh, iterations, what was keeping you up at night? What was the thing that in your mind you were saying, man, if we, you know, we've got to get this right to allow us truly to get to a next step. Is anyone going to buy a $200 pepper mill? I can see that. That was the big one, you know, and up until the point when I pressed launch on the Kickstarter, it was a very real possibility in my mind because I'd received a lot of feedback from people saying, um, no, no one will buy a $200 pepper mill. And the reality is, is if you make a, if you're going to make a massive improvement in an existing space, you're, you're, it's not cheap to do it. Like you have to, you have to do something that's wildly different than what is already out there. If you're going to get a wildly different result. So the big unknown for me on the pepper cannon was, is there a market for a premium pepper mill? Okay. We can demonstrate that we're faster. We can demonstrate that we've got a, a wider grind range. How many people care $200 worth? Right. And yeah. the reality is a lot of people won't, you know, for a lot of people, the most important metric on their pepper mill is I need something to pepper my eggs in the morning. And you can do that for 12 bucks or 15 bucks, <laughs> the high end 50 bucks. So yeah, the thing that kept me up was, um, this price, it's a, it's a yeah. high price, you know, it's a premium product and, um, will people buy it? Right. Right. Now you had success with the last Kickstarter, um, where did Kickstarter fit into this narrative, though, in, in this time frame of like, you know what, we're going to go back to it or we're going to use it again. We want the crowd involved as opposed to just putting it on a, a, your Shopify or whatever store, you know, your, your, your e-commerce. Sure. Yeah. Well, the reality is, is producing things at, at bulk at scale is super expensive. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't have the startup capital to do it. I couldn't drop the amount of money. I didn't have the amount of money to drop to uh to finance a full production run so it, that, and that was a similar issue with the knife when i launched the knife it was um hopefully enough people will like what i like so that i can make it and yeah. that's what it was with the kickstarter as well i didn't have the i didn't have the startup capital to do a full production run and kickstarter is fantastic for that yeah along that process wh- um what were you when did you know that you were ready to start building out maybe the assets for the Kickstarter in terms of the prototype. Like, you, you know, you could always be tweaking and tweaking and tweaking, right? Like, so when are sure. you at a point where you're like, okay, what we have looks pretty good. It's doing its thing. Well, tweak, you know, yeah. we can now start this process of making content for it. Sure. Yeah. And I've learned through the two Kickstarters that I've done now that it's a little different in that a lot of backers on Kickstarter and a lot of creators on Kickstarter kind of expect this more collaborative, okay, I want you to change this and that and that, which is a fantastic part of Kickstarter. My background, 15 years of e-commerce was you don't go to market until your product is is ready. So my process of saying, okay, I'm ready to do the Kickstarter was when I had a production prototype that was that was ready for the market. And I know a lot of people don't do that on Kickstarter. And I think probably some of that is the reason why some Kickstarters never get shipped and never materialize because they're trying to make these last minute changes in order to make backers happy. And making backers happy is absolutely imperative, but yeah. They're going to be happier with one less color and getting it on time as opposed to 16 colors and add-ons yep. and not getting it at all. 
Yeah. So I think that's, that's a great jumping point because that's something I always stress too. How, how did you know that you weren't inundating with features, that you weren't going too far, that you weren't putting every bell and whistle on this and you were saying, you know, I'm just going to make a phenomenal, you know, pepper can in here for people, you know, like, like, yeah, it's tough for designers. I know. So how are you sort of approaching that? What's the team talking about? You know, why didn't you I put through? Why didn't I put the digital readout and the light? And why, the why is it not <laughs> syncing to my phone? You know, <laughs> yeah. it should sync to my phone and tell me exactly how much pepper fell onto my steak. Yeah, the Wi-Fi version is coming. Yeah, yeah Bluetooth. Yeah. Bluetooth, um, so I can listen to music on it while I'm. Uh, the song's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the so what drove it was, um, keeping it simple. You know, it's a it's it's not a super complex machine. It's a pretty simple machine solving a pretty simple problem. Yeah. Um, and and all the add-on stuff don't it, it, it doesn't really add on features that people need. Like you can buy an electric pepper mill that has a light on the bottom. Um, do you need a light on the bottom of a pepper mill? Are you seasoning your food in the dark? <laughs> Probably not. So a lot of that stuff was easy to easy to to leave by the wayside and just focus on the things that actually matter. What was I frustrated with? Output. Yeah. Grind options. Is it easy to fill? Is it easy to adjust? Does it stay at the adjustment you want right. as opposed to readjusting itself because the adjustment nut is located on the top that yeah. you're turning? Those were the problems that I wanted to address and all the other ones were kind of tertiary and I I just they weren't a priority. Awesome. So one of the things that stood out to me checking out the campaign is I think the content is amazing on the page. I think the video is, it, it walks that great fine line of some humor, some seriousness, it still talks about the features, right? So where does does the building out of the page and the content start to begin and the storytelling and the graphics and the gifts and the, you know, where do you start to start that process to know that, again, this looks like a great campaign page? Yeah, well, a lot of good, it started with a lot of good advice from uh, Nolan. I don't know if you know Nolan. She does, uh, she has a course for promoting for how to essentially build your campaign. Mm. And I spoke with her prior to this campaign, but also prior to the, to the first campaign. And she gave me such useful information. Uh, Crush Crowdfunding is the name of her um, outfit. And she's okay. fantastic. I couldn't recommend yeah. her enough. And then also I... I tuned into this crowdfunding summit that LaunchBoom put on and they're so generous with their content and sharing kind of not secrets of the trade, but their trial and error. All those guys yeah. are crowdfunders and do a fantastic job. So um, sitting through and listening to, you know, the guy that does, uh, you know, the Dr. Squatch. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's the only yep, yep. ad on YouTube that I have actually tried to rewind as opposed yep. to skip. Yep. They did the uh, raindrop is the name of them. Yep. And they did a presentation during the crowdfunding summit that I, that I watched right as I was writing the script for my video. And it was like, okay, throw away the script that I have. <laughs> rewrite a new one based on the insights that these guys have. So really a lot of good advice from people that were experienced and the build out on the page was, um, yeah, I, I kind of start with the product photography and I have a lot of background in that for my e-commerce. Mm -hmm. So building a product page that addresses what people's actual concerns are as opposed to this is why I want to sell it. This is how it will change your peppering experience. Right, right. 
And in this process, when do you know that you're ready to launch? Were you looking for a metric like an amount of emails, uh, Facebook grew, comments? What were you looking for to say, hit the green button, we're ready? Well, I knew that I needed to get it launched. I wanted to do it in September was my original launch date. And then like everything else that you try and do, it takes longer than you anticipate. So I had the page kind of built out and I was waiting on the final, the 11th prototype so that I could finalize the product photography. Because even some of the ones in the video are of earlier prototypes where, you know, I've got one where that's in the video, prototype nine or so where the grind adjuster, when you put it all the way to course, I don't know if you can see that, it was protruding below the bottom of the, pepper cannon. So you try and set it down and it would wobble, which is a problem, right? Yeah. But it's in the video and, and you can see as I'm cranking it, that thing is protruding. <laughs> and it was like, well, you know, I just have to get out there. And yes, we've solved that problem, but you'll, you'll see it in the video. Right. And, uh, and then the video itself took longer than anticipated. If you watched my video for the chef knife last year, it's, horrible quality. It's filmed on a smartphone. The audio is dismal. So I reached out to a friend of mine named Terry Nelson, who I went to school with years and years and years ago. He owns a video production company in Toronto called Entertainment, I-N-N-E-R-Tainment.ca. And he's a video guy. So I was, even on my first campaign, I was asking him advice. He was like, well, yeah, he's very diplomatic. You know, he's Canadian. He wasn't going to say, it's garbage. He was going to, he said, you could make some changes on the audio. Here's what you should do. Mic, get some lights, do this, that, and the other. So I did that. And then I said, you know, I'm not a great editor or videographer or any of that. Can I take these clips under your direction and send them to you? And you edit them into something that it looks much better than what I could do on myself. So I give a lot of credit for the video, all the credit for the quality on the video, because you can look A and B, what I'm capable of, and then what they could do. There's a big difference. So yeah, entertainment, Terry Entertainment, I sent them clips that 99% of were not useful, but he (laughs) dug through all that and put it together and added on stuff and sound and everything else. He actually has a, uh, a cameo in the video where he's our celebrity endorsement. So yeah, super cool guy. (laughs) You guys are... If anyone's making a Kickstarter video and can self-film but needs someone to put the polish on it and audio and that, I, I couldn't recommend them enough. Yeah, that's awesome. So we haven't actually talked actually about the specifics of the Kickstarter yet, but as of that we're talking right now, you have about 13 days to go. Uh, you had a $10,000 goal and you're currently sitting at almost 730,000, uh, 45, over 4,500 4, backers. So a very successful campaign. Congrats on that. What has yeah. been the thing that has stood out in this campaign that maybe you just did not expect whatsoever? Is there a country that's popped up or, you know, it's just something that you were like, man, we did not expect that. Um, so right before I launched, maybe 10 days, 10 days to a week before I launched, I sent out... A, a pepper cannon. I sent out a number of them, but one of them I sent to uh, J. Kenji Lopez Alt, who is a guy that is someone that I've learned a lot from just from watching his content. You know, a super, uh, super intelligent, amazing chef. Um, and I just sent one to his restaurant on a flyer, like, you know what? 
hopefully he will get this. I know as a cook that as soon as I pick it up and started using it, I was like, Hey, this is cool. Maybe he'll get, maybe, maybe if I send it to his restaurant, he will try it out and like it. And he did. He actually posted about it on Instagram. That's cool. To his many followers. And I had, you know, I already had a a landing page up to kind of capture if people came some emails, but without his influence and his generosity in sharing uh, the pepper cannon, my pre-launch list would have been a fifth of what it ended up being. So super targeted traffic right before the launch time. And it was a flyer, you know, it was, it was lucky and it was based on his generosity to, to post, you know, pepper flying out of the bottom (laughs) of the pepper cannon and being like, Hey, this is cool. Check it out. Yeah. That's sweet. That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always, it's amazing whenever I'm working with clients too. And I'm like, there are, there are going to be things that we, are not in a contract or things we can't explain, but you got to try them. You, you throw some stuff against the wall and nine doesn't stick, but the one that sticks is like the most important. <laughs> so who cares, you know? Uh, yeah. But it's tough for people to kind of accept that that's a reality of crowdfunding. It just, it just truly is. So, yeah, so what yeah, has, the, what, list of, the list of knowns is much shorter than the list of unknowns. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. The amount of like stuff that happens, even the amount of, of just communication. Like I was looking on your campaign too. I mean, you've got a lot of comments, you've got people, you know, you know, and that's that crowdfunding world too, of like, they want to communicate about this stuff. They are really engaged with it. Are you seeing that sort of engagement with your, uh, w- with this crowd of people right now? For sure. Yeah. And what I did before the campaign, which I would recommend to anyone who's getting ready to launch one is if you have a previous campaign, I sent an email and I I had some prototypes. So I said, all right, I'm going to give away a prototype to enter the contest. Tell me what questions you have about the pepper cannon. Yeah. So a number of people replied and they had questions that I had not thought of. And so I built out my fact based on their feedback. And that, that really does a lot to head off questions because there'll be, you know, 4,000 people that all have the same question. If they're asking it in your comment section, you can have that off by having it in your frequently asked questions. So it was super valuable to have that feedback. And, uh, but yeah, there's lots of engagement. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that have questions and I'm happy to answer them. That's cool. What have you been doing in the middle of the campaign to just keep that energy going? And uh, we jokingly off mics talked about that trough of despair for a split second, but like it exists in campaigns, right? It always slows down a little bit in the middle. So what do you, what have you been doing to just make sure that, Hey, you're keeping energy up, keeping traffic going, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Well, I've got a fantastic company called Jellup. If you've heard of them, they, uh, they run their, our Facebook ads and they are accounting for the bulk of the sales in this middle of the campaign That's because cool. they you know, I'm no, I'm no expert on Facebook advertising and they are, that's, that's what yeah. they do specifically for Kickstarter campaigns. And they're, they're phenomenal. Um, Ido and Gil and their whole team there. are. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to replicate what they can do given the rest of my life to try and figure out how <laughs> they do. So they're really helping through the beginning, middle, and I'm sure at the end of the campaign as well. And then I've got a list of journalists that I compiled from the last campaign and then adding a little bit to each day um, that are keeping me sharp by ignoring completely all the emails that I send to them. So I'm doing that, but it's not, uh, I could probably use some help in that area as well. Yeah. Well, press is tough. We, 
as an agency, I'll just let you know, we stopped even worrying about it because we would spend all this time writing emails that nobody reads. And yeah, or if they do <laughs> read them, uh, you don't know, and they might cover it, but they probably won't. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So I've, I've been doing that and there have been a couple that have gotten back to me. Um, it was featured on Gizmodo and cool material just today. So there have been some positives, but yeah, it's uh, I, I think it must just be a numbers game. Like you have to, yeah. it is I mean, that, so much. Yeah. And everybody's reaching out to them, right? Like it's, it's not just you, everybody's reaching out to them for yeah, multiple yeah. campaigns. And then at some point too, I mean, just the, the Kickstarter world has lost the, it's not really that amazing of a story anymore. You know, like it used to be in the press world of like, Oh my gosh, they hit a hundred thousand or they hit their goal. Now they realize that everybody's puts low goals and we funded in 15 minutes. Well, yeah. your goal was 10 grand, you know, we, that, hey, it used to be in the bank in the old days. That was great, but yeah. Yeah. That and some of the shine has come off from, you know, these giant campaigns that end up not shipping not, right. product where, yep. You don't want to be the journalist that sends your massive audience to a Kickstarter and then they're like, hey, thanks for sending it to me. Yeah. I've been waiting four years and I never got my thing. I never yeah. got my thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I agree. It's a, it's a huge part of it. Uh, so, you know, what's happening then? You know, the, the campaign ends in 13 days, a couple more weeks for money to, to, to get in the accounts. What happens to start getting this product out to backers? Well, so. I've already, we've already placed our deposit and we're in production right now. So um, you, you put a date for when you're going to ship it out that, that you've got a built-in cushion because stuff always happens in the manufacturing process where, yeah, we'll get it to you by now or we'll get it to you by this date, but it's not going to be that date. It's going to mm -hmm. be a later date. So we started early on production and our hope is that we can hit or exceed the the stated ship date for those items. But yeah, we're, we're already in production. I did not expect at all the response that I got to the pepper can. You know, I, I thought maybe a fifth of where we're at, maybe a 10th of where we're at would be awesome. So when it just took off, I mean, it hit the, it hit the 10,000 goal, which was the absolute minimum amount that if, okay, if I get that amount, then I can scrape together enough money to do a tiny production run and actually fulfill the rewards. Right. Bare, bare minimum. And it hit that. I mean, I pressed the launch button and in, I think it was 10 minutes and 37 seconds, the <laughs> goal was reached and, and it just, it kept going. Obviously yeah. it's still going. Um, so I had to revisit with my manufacturing partners Hey, we're going to need more of these. When can we, when can we get them? How fast can we produce them um, without compromising on quality? So right. we've actually split it into, cause I don't think it's fair to, if a project gets super successful, the odds of the first backers getting their items decline. Yeah. So what I did kind of against advice from some was to split it into different tiers saying, okay, the first production run, if, we're going to get that out. That's our priority. We're going to add a second one with a later date, knowing that it's going to decrease our conversion rate because people, when they come and they see, oh, well, these people are going to get it before me. Right. It's less likely, right? And waiting longer is worse than waiting shorter. <laughs> amount. Yep. So, but I thought that was only fair for the initial backers and other backers to know, hey, 
we don't have unlimited capacity to produce these things. The more we make, the longer it's going to take. Later backers will get their rewards later than sooner backers, but that's just the reality. If I were to right. play, play pretend and say, oh yeah, if 10 million people buy this thing, we'll still be able to get it to you in the same amount of time. It's just not yeah. the reality. So. Right. Now, now, do you have sort of a, a gauge or a switch in your head that says, actually, this campaign is too big? I mean, I know 10 million is, is, is a big number, but like, is there a scenario of like, big. yeah, that would be way too big, way too big. But like, even, even with that, is there like, man, you know what, actually like 7,500 backers, we're just not set up to even shipping and handling and packaging and just the amount of work, right? Like maybe it's the team, like, Hey, it's only the four of us. Like oh, who the hell's doing this? You know, yeah. Yeah. is there a point of too big basically? Absolutely. There's a point of too big, but that's what I call, and already we've had it, high quality problems, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great problem to have. But. <laughs> it's a great problem to have. So yeah. we'll do whatever we can to figure out. And I don't think we're going to, I mean, it's possible, but the way that we have it sorted now is, yes, we can keep adding not an infinite, but a, a tiered approach to additional backers coming in that there's going to be an area where those returns collide, where fewer and fewer people will buy it because no one's going to wait X amount of time to get it. Right. Um, and just be transparent about what that, about what that is. So yeah. if we got picked up by, you know, major news networks across the world and it started selling crazy amounts of units, well, we'd address the problem by delaying, the ship dates, as far as we had to delay them, and then on the other end, working to increase production with additional production partners, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, et cetera, right. to try and meet to try and meet that demand. But um, already, we've obviously had to increase the production. So, um, I, I hope I hope we have those kind of problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does. Uh, so, what is the like? What does the next year then look like? For specifically just this product, you know, in terms of, all right, you're starting to ship them, they're get, going out. What then happens with this product? Does it just go into your product line? Does it go to Shopify, Amazon? Like what happens in your world? Yeah. So I have mankitchen.com, which is our Shopify store that carries our other products. So it'll go on there. Uh, we sell on Amazon, so it'll go on there. Um, and those are, those will be the two main places where the pepper cannon will be available. And then the hope is to add on additional complimentary products. I would love to be able to source high quality peppers from all over the world because there's huge differences in flavor profile, um, heat, intensity, aroma between these different varieties of pepper. You know, it used to be all pepper came from India. Well, now there's yeah. pompot pepper in Cambodia and there's pepper from Vietnam. There's some people growing pepper in Hawaii, believe it or not. Mm. There's uh, lots of different varieties of peppers. And what I'd love to do is have a single source man kitchen where people can order um, kind of quick refills for their pepper can and, and try different varieties of pepper. Cause exactly. a lot of people just think, Oh, it's black pepper, right? Right. It's single note. That's what it is. It's been in my cupboard for six years. It has no aroma. <laughs> There's very little flavor, but that's what pepper tastes like. And that's, that's not the real experience of what pepper can be. So selling, selling exotic peppers and regular peppers and uh, yeah. That, that's how, the hope going forward with the pepper cannon because the people that use the pepper cannon, they are going to start using more pepper than. Yeah. 
I would definitely imagine that if you're making this investment, like you're, you're going for the flavor profiles and you're, you're thinking about stuff, right? You're not just, uh, yeah, whatever. You're just not that guy, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's not not a one and done, hopefully. Yeah. That's cool. And how about like a five-year roadmap for the company itself? I mean, do you envision, you know, I I know the, the pepper world, but like just a whole arsenal of, of products specifically for kitchen. Do you see yourself going outside of that? What, you know, where do you put, where do you put five years from now uh, for in your world? Yeah, it'll, it'll stay kitchen. There's, there's enough problems to solve in the kitchen that will be occupied there for the foreseeable future. But yeah, the, the plan is to just keep rolling out products that make an actual tangible difference for me in the kitchen and hope that that resonates with other people who have had similar experiences. That's awesome. All right, well, let's flip over. Let's not talk about pepper, cooking, Kickstarters, crowdfunding. Let's do a little quick lightning round here. Uh, what, have right. you been, what have you been watching uh, in the old streaming world right lately? What, what, what's been occupying the brain there? Ooh, uh, way too much. Way too yep. much. Yeah, we've got HBO and Netflix and Hulu and pretty much all the streaming services. The one that I just finished was Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Oh, that, that was, I hear that's a good one. Oh, it's fantastic. Even yeah. if you don't like chess. It's, it's yeah, I love fantastic. chess. Yep. Um, we're watching The Undoing on HBO. <laughs> with, uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Hugh Grant. And that one is fantastic. Okay. They're, they're, doing this, they're doing this deal where, you know, it harkens back to days of old where you have to wait, you know, for a new episode <laughs> to come out. So you watch the first three or four and it's like, What's, what is what this is, new sensation, what is, right? Yeah, what is this? Yeah. This feels like patience or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah screw that. Yeah, no good. So that, we're in the middle of that. Um, we love The Mandalorian, my wife and I. So we, yeah. and they, they're doing the same deal where I'm sure if, I, if you could look at their metrics, that when The Mandalorian is on, they have three times the subscribers. And then as soon as the season ends, it's like, they're just like, yeah. Because that's what I did, but then as soon as the as soon as the Mandalorian comes back on, okay, I can swing that six bucks a month. Right, I'm sure that's what it is. It has to be a metric scenario of of of, of people just doing that. That's got to be what it is. Uh, and I could, how about I could, keep, I could keep going with shows, but it'll start making me look real bad. <laughs> You're just consuming consuming content on the streaming channels. Well, how, how about uh, um, you know, is there a movie? How about just like a traditional movie that you've watched recently? My favorite movie of um, of 2020. Watch me forget the name now. Um, gosh, what the heck is that called? It's a Christian Bale movie set post Civil War. But I can find it. You know what? I won't. I won't make you wait. It's on Netflix. Hostiles. It's called oh, Hostiles. Hostiles. Oh, such a good movie. I watched it with one of my daughters and we both agreed that it was the only nine of 2020. We, you know, we, we rate our movies on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. 10 is unattainable. You know, that's Lord of the Rings level. Right. Um, but yeah, Hostiles was a solid nine and it's, that was our, that was our best movie of 2020. Okay. I'll have to put that one in the queue. Cause uh, I like Christian Bales. He's, that's a solid actor. It's good. Yeah. Now, now probably I've ruined it for everyone because, you know, when you go into a movie with high expectations, uh, it's well. going to be lower than your expectations. So don't expect much. You know, it's a niche, strange, low budget. I really like, hey, I like those. Movie. It's completely silent, black and white, uh, poorly filmed, but maybe. <laughs> maybe <still white. laughs> 
Cool. That's well, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. How about, uh, how about podcasts? Are you a podcast listener? I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not really on podcasts. I will, I'll find some on, on YouTube every now and then, but no, I don't. Okay. The main podcasts. Okay. YouTube how about, channels? uh, yeah, YouTube channels. There's a, yeah, I can, I, I, I got a lot of those in the old, uh, saved. Uh, how about, uh, how about a book right now? You reading anything? What am I reading right now? I just finished a book that was fantastic. It's called all the light we cannot see. And that was a really, really good book. Um, but yeah, most of the most of the words that I'm consuming these days are via the screen. Yeah, so, I hear you. It's a it's a bad habit. <laughs> that's those are the last paper pages that that were that were really worth turning for me. Okay, how about uh, is there any sort of blog or um, channel you might go to specifically around like marketing or like hey this keeps me on, on my toes or I always learn something from this guy? Uh, Seth Godin. Yeah. Seth God, I mean, I've been I've been following him forever. Everyone will be like, "Yeah, of course." Yeah, it's a good one. He's a genius, but yeah, he is. I mean, daily, he sends out an email, and without fail, it is insightful and timely. And I don't know how he does it, but yeah, he is my number one go-to for marketing knowledge system. Awesome. Awesome. Well, where should we send people? If people want to dive into your world, where should they go outside of the Kickstarter? Yeah. So, uh, mankitchen.com, M-A-N-N kitchen.com. And, and a lot of people think, oh man, this guy's a sexist. Man is, um, man is old Norse, M-A-N-N for my, so man kitchen, it just means my kitchen. And yes, I do make tools that appeal to me, and I am a man, but <laughs> it's because those are the only ones that I can speak to. You know, I don't know what other people's experience is like. There's a lot of guys in the kitchen now, but man kitchen means my kitchen. My kitchen, your kitchen.com. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know it's busy with, you know, the amount of stuff going on in, the, in this campaign and the amount of moving parts. Um, so I think my, my audience is going to love it. And if this is your first time hearing about it, make sure you guys go check out their uh, their Kickstarter right now. And I'll have all the links in the show notes. And uh Kudos on a on an absolutely amazing campaign. Nice job. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you Thank having you me. Thank you so much. All right. How about that conversation? I told you guys it was awesome. So if you guys are in the market for a $200 pepper cannon, you got to go do it. Go over to Kickstarter now. They've only got a few days to go. But again, they're just under a million bucks. So lots and lots and lots of stuff there, man. So everybody else, hope you guys are doing well. Hope you guys are enjoying the Sugar People music that we're playing here at the end of these. Remember, this is the old band. So, Brandon, shout out to Brandon, our my editor. He puts the he picks the songs and, and throws them in at the end. Um, but again, make sure you guys reach out. Go to woodshed.agency. We've got tons of information there for you. And uh, reach out. I'd love to hear what you're working on and and uh, connect with you. So, all right, everybody, keep it real. 